0: Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 13 is where we're going to start. 1 Chronicles chapter 13. We'll read a few verses there, then go over to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. If I was the title of the message tonight, it would be an equation. Fear plus obedience equals joy. Fear plus obedience equals joy. I want you to notice beginning in verse 3 of 1st Chronicles chapter 13. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregations said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. Underline that. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shehor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hemath, to bring the ark of God from kirjath And David went up and all Israel to Baalah, that is, to Kirjath-Jerim, which belongeth to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, uh, the ark of God the Lord that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahio drave the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing, and with harps, and with psalteries, and with timbrels, and with cymbals, and with trumpets. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark. For the oxen stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. And David was displeased, because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore, that place is called Perazazah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside unto the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Now go over to chapter 15. First of all, notice verses 2 and 3. Then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place which he had prepared for it. Now go on down to verse 12. And said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first... The Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought Him not after the due order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereof as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. Go down to verse 25. It says, so David and the elders of Israel... And the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. And briefly, just turn over to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And we'll read verses 2 and 3. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house. They bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement, and worshipped, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus And I plead tonight for the filling of the Holy Spirit, please, Lord, I pray as we look at the scripture, may we understand that our God is God and that you mean what you say. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our lives, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes you wonder how in the world we could ever have revival, sweep this land anymore when you have so many people simply doing that which is right in their own eyes. Any time you leave the authority of the word of God, you're going to be in trouble. For there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But we have transferred, unfortunately, feelings for truth. That feelings have become more important. Feelings and sincerity is far more important than truth today. Now, I confess to you that probably once every decade... Yes, this thing is bothering me here. Yes, as I'm doing this, you know, it'll be gone soon. But uh, sometimes I get to wondering: Am I too strict? Now we got preachers here today. Do you ever wonder that? Am I too not about me, but about yourself? (laughs) Am, Am I too strict? I mean, I believe the word of God. I believe all of it. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. But, you know, I find people getting upset with me and not not just talking about church members, but even other pastors, other preachers get upset with me because I still believe God means what he says and that the God of heaven is to be obeyed. Unfortunately, so many born-again believers today are brought up in churches where everything's about feeling. How do you feel? How do you feel? Are you having a good time? Uh, If we got to keep rules, then we're going to be in bondage. And people have got a mixed-up thinking about, Thus saith the Lord. Now, it was about 1400 BC, B.C., about 1400 B.C., That God gave the instruction as to how the ark of God was to be carried. It was to be carried by the priest. There wasn't any other person that was to carry the ark of God when it would be moved from one place to another. Except by the priest. And they had a specific way of carrying that and the other articles of furniture. Now this is about 1400 BC when God gave the instruction... And he told them that if any of them touched the ark of God, that they would die. Now, that was God's word. It's what he told them. Of course, you've got the exodus took place in about 1400. And that's when Moses received the word of God with the instructions while he was up on the mount. And then, of course, completed also in the book of Leviticus that was there. Then when they finally got into the land, and you remember there was a delay. 40 years for them to get in the land. They were in the land during the time of Judges for 360 to 400 years that they were there. Now in that time, the ark and the holy place and the tabernacle that they had uh, was in Shiloh. And that is where they had worship. But you remember during the time of 1 Samuel that before Saul is even made king that the sons of Eli were wicked and as a result God gave the Philistines victory over Israel the ark of God had been taken now when uh, the uh, Philistines were struck with uh, was struck with some uh, plagues by God they sent the ark of God back to Israel they sent it to the town of Beshemish and those people unfortunately happy about the fact that the ark had been returned to them. And you remember the Philistines sent the ark on a cart that was carried by oxen back to Israel. And they went straight back. People of Beth Shemesh, when they saw it, they looked in it. God killed 50,000 Israelites because they looked into the ark. They were not to touch it. God still meant business. During the time of King Saul, the Ark of God still rested where it had been brought back. Now we've got David as king over 400 years after God had given the instruction as to how the Ark of God was to be taken. David is now king and he's made Jerusalem his capital city. He wants to bring the Ark of God up to the city of David. Sounds like a good thing. David was a man after God's own heart. This sounded like a good plan. So they put the ark of God on a cart that would be pulled by oxen. And we have Ahio and Uzzah who were driving the cart. As the oxen were going up to the city and they were playing music, David was dancing, the people were dancing, all of that was going on. You remember the oxen stumbled, that's what it says. The cart shook, the ark wobbled, and Uzzah reached up to steady the ark of God so it wouldn't fall. We can only imagine the terror in Uzzah's eyes as he saw the ark of God wobbling back and forth in fear that it would fall, did probably the same thing that most any man here would do, he reached up to steady it so that it not fall. The moment he touched it, God killed him. The moment he touched it, God killed him. Now the Bible makes an interesting statement about David. The Bible tells us that David was displeased that God had killed him. I mean, they were having a pretty good meeting. It was exciting. The music was playing. People were having a great time. David was dancing in front of everybody. This was tremendous. The ark of God is coming to the city of David. Hallelujah, this is awesome. And now God has intervened. And Uzzah is now dead. So they stop the cart. They bring it no further they wouldn't need to do some studying. What's going on? Is God not pleased with it coming? Well, the problem was, they had not done it according to the instruction that God gave Israel 400 years before. It's funny, we seem to think that the older books of the Bible aren't all that important. I said 400 years before would God still mean it I mean there have been a lot of problems in the priesthood and let's face it I don't care the group whether it be independent Baptist Methodist Nazarene whatever it is but there's been a lot of those in ministry whose lives were not what they ought to be but that still never has changed God's truth or the responsibility of God's people to obey it. So they had lost the ark, and finally you get to chapter 15, which we read. They decided to look in the scripture to see how it ought to be done. They did it the way God told them to do it. And then, because they feared the Lord and they were obedient to God's word, when they were done with their journey, there was great joy. Now, we want joy in the service of God. But we think joy in the services of God is going to be if we're having fun. If we're doing this in sincerity, man, we're excited. Let me tell you, there's an awful lot of wildfire worship that goes on, not just in this country, but all over the world, where people are as sincere as what they can be. And they honestly have a true love for the Lord. And yet in that, they end up disobeying very clearly the word of God. But it's okay. And nobody should sit back and judge because, you see, they feel it so strongly and they are so sincere. But to be sincerely wrong is still a problem. May I say we don't treat salvation that way. There are a lot of people who sincerely believe their church membership or their pedigree, their ancestry will get them into heaven, but it won't. Right. There are a lot of people who sincerely believe that their baptism will somehow wash away their sins and their baptism will get them into heaven. They sincerely believe it. They read their Bible every day, they pray, they have services every Sunday. They'll have midweek service and special gospel meetings. But you don't get saved by being baptized. Got to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we need to understand some things about God's word. Number one, right desires do not excuse sin. Back here in chapter 13 in verses 3 and 4, they said, let us bring again the ark of our God to us, For we inquired not at it in the days of Saul and all the congregation said that they would do so for the thing was right. Now look at this right in the eyes of all the people. If there's anything that they should have learned from the book of Judges because the Bible says there twice in chapter 17 and verse 6 and chapter 21 and verse 25. And in those days there was no king in Israel but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. But what was right in their eyes, according to Judges chapter 2, was evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, we are not the ones who sit in judgment upon whether or not things are good or evil. God does. And he does it according to his eternal word. You see, they used the world's way in bringing the ark up. This is what the Philistines did. ...when they sent the ark back to Israel. You see, and by the way, it was to be carried by the priest. Not by oxen, but by the priest. They weren't to touch it. They had long staves, long, uh, long uh, stave wood that was uh, covered in gold... ...that was to be placed through the wings, not wings, rings on the corners of the ark... ...and was to be hoisted up on their shoulders... And carried wherever it went by the priest, not by anybody else. Nobody else had a right to touch it, nobody else was instructed to touch it. It was only by the priest. Now, simple instructions shouldn't be that hard. God meant it. Yes, it had been 400 years, and yes, for a long time they had not worshiped correctly or as God had given them, but that's no excuse to be disobedient now. I believe that one of the things that God that the devil has used to promote this kind of christianity, is so-called Christian TV. And you see it carried over in the podcast and so-called Christian Internet. Man, you've got to be careful about that stuff. You say, man, these people look sincere and they look happy. Is that the issue? Has that ever been the issue? The issue is, what does God say? God is still to be obeyed. We started out with Christian TV and that Tonight Show formula. When we get together and have our special guests and all of that, and we put error right up there on the same plane with truth so that people don't know the difference between truth and error, they know what they like. We end up developing a Pat Boone type of Christianity, Pat Boone and Johnny Cash, brand of Christianity. Matter of fact, Rick and Bubba type of Christianity. You say, who's Rick and Bubba? If you don't know, you're okay. Okay. But it's amazing how they have Bible studies. You know, I turned—I hadn't listened in a long time—and I turned over there, and they were advertising on their program CBD, which is legal marijuana, on their program to help you sleep at night. I said, "What kind of Christianity is that? What on earth are we into?" Oh, it's just fine, you know. Hey, it makes people feel better. There's a lot of stuff that may make people feel better, but you're not supposed to be doing. you got people today running their churches like the U.S. Constitution. May I say that the U.S. Constitution was not patterned after the Bible. It was a great document. It's helped our country greatly through the years to remain free as long as it has. But by the same token... The United States is not a church. God has instruction for a church and how it's to operate. You go to most Baptist churches today and the deacons are the check and balances for the pastor. You don't find that anywhere in the scripture. You don't find that at all. And yet there are a lot of so-called deacon boards out there. They feel that that is their main job to keep the pastor reined in. Now, there is a way, by the way, to keep the pastor reined in. I'm talking about a right way, and that's prayer. You get that? But you see, too many times it's a shortcut to prayer. Maybe it's because that these people are not in a position where they can pray and get through. I believe if God's people got serious enough about prayer, that God would keep the pastor straight. Or move them on. And he can do that. Move them on or move them out. And when he does it, he always does it right. Wow. You see, everybody liking the way we do it doesn't make it right. Everybody agreeing on the way we do it doesn't make it right. Having a king leading the procession, a big-name preacher leading the procession, that doesn't make it right. Sincerity of experience doesn't make things right. Praising the Lord doesn't make it right. Right is always determined by the word of God. Amen. Not only did they use the world's way instead of God's way, but the people did the work of the priest. and <laughs> They even included oxen in it, and that was not any type of the instruction that God had given. God had an order of worship. Man was breaking it down. God's line of authority. Of course, they had not been worshiping. At the, uh, at the Ark of God, they hadn't had the tabernacle up in a number of years during the entire time of Saul. But now we've got women preachers galore across this country. You don't find that in the scripture. It's not there. It's not right. And it amazes me when you've got people, whether it be like Joyce Meyer or Kay Arthur... They get together and have their Bible studies and all these men and women are out there. And my Bible says very plainly, I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Right. It's what it says. Right. First Timothy chapter 2, it's plain, it's clear. Well, let's see if we can come up with a new translation so that we'll find one that allows us to do it. But God's not writing new scripture today. He's given us the Bible and thank the Lord for it. I mean, you've got some places I I mentioned about deacons in some churches. And we've got good deacons here at our place and praise the Lord for them. But in some churches, they've got men that are called trustees. And their trustees, they try to pick men who are not qualified to be deacons so that these men who are not qualified to be deacons but are still important people so that they have some say in it and they end up running the business of the church. And tell me, where do you find that in the scripture? It's not there. Listen, when you get away from God's instruction on how to run God's house, you're headed for trouble. I just believe what God said he meant, and we're to obey it. In verse 9, as a sincerity, didn't excuse his wrong. You'll notice in verse 9, when they came under the threshing floor of Chidon. Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. The ark was holy. And God, the God of the Bible, demands obedience. He still does. Now this is not in order for salvation. For salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I remind you, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also, also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit uh, reap life everlasting. Why are we strict on standards? I still believe God wants obedience. I still believe the word is good today. I still believe his standard is the same. I still believe that he means business. And we could give an awful lot of examples dealing with that. How about Cain? Let's go way back to the beginning. Cain brings a wrong sacrifice. God doesn't accept it. Cain's angry. Abel's sacrifice was accepted. And it wasn't accepted because it was Abel and not Cain. It was accepted because he brought the sacrifice that God had taught him to bring. A blood sacrifice. And Cain brought one that was not a blood sacrifice. You've got the man over in chapter, um, is it 15 or 18 of the book of Numbers? He's out gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. The Bible doesn't tell us why he was gathering sticks. It just tells us he was gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. So they took him to Moses to find out what to do. Moses said, let's ask the Lord. They put the man in ward. That's kind of a holding cell. They went to God to find out what to do. And they said, take him before the whole congregation and stone him with stones. That's what the Lord said. He paid for that little act of disobedience with his life. I guess God meant what he said. Hey, does it make any difference how you're baptized? Does it make any difference if you're baptized by immersion or if you're just sprinkled? Does it make any difference? It does make a difference. Because if you're not baptized by immersion after you're saved... You're not baptized. Now, baptism doesn't take you to heaven. Baptism is only for those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. As a matter of fact, it is the first thing that God commands to be done after a person gets saved. And you go through your New Testament, the book of Acts, you find over and over again people being baptized. Why? Well, first of all, Jesus had commanded it. He told the disciples, go ye therefore and teach all nations ...baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost... ...teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So that when the disciples went out, first people that got saved after that were on the day of Pentecost. The disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost. They preached the gospel. 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people got saved. And they were baptized, the scripture says... The word baptize means to immerse, to dip, to put into. That's what the word means. It's really easy to be put under the water. Why? According to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, that when we are baptized, we are baptized into his death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should walk in newness of life. Baptism pictures his death, his burial, and his resurrection That is the gospel message. When you are baptized by immersion, you are saying, I have trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. It's why we do not accept sprinkling. We will not accept sprinkling because that's not baptizing. That's just sprinkling. And it's only for those who have believed. So when Peter gets to the household of Cornelius... And he wins the household of Cornelius to Christ. He and his house were filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter says, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And then it says, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. He didn't ask them to pray about it. He didn't say, think about it. He commanded them to be baptized. Why did he do that? because he would heard Jesus command him that they were to go out and make disciples of people. And when they did, they were to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. There is absolutely no one in the book of Acts, no one in the book of Acts, when the church went out winning people to Christ, no one that refused to be baptized after they got saved. Now, the Bible does not record for us the baptism of every person that believed. But there, it does, well, it doesn't record anybody who refused to be baptized. Why, they, why would they refuse to be baptized? What if they're scared of the water? They trusted God and got baptized. They trusted God to protect them. We want everything to be easy. You realize sometimes getting baptized is hard for some people. It's hard. But if you've gotten saved, you ought to want to just, you've trusted him with your soul. You might as well trust him with your life in the baptistry. Maybe unless you got some puny little preacher up there that you don't feel can lift you up out of the water. In that case, we'll get a couple of strong deacons to help out. Amen. Amen. We'll get it done. But (laughs) by the way, because we believe the scripture is why that we only have two offices in the church, pastor and deacons. That's it. There's not anything else. No deaconesses in the Bible. We don't have that. There's definitely not a board of deacons. There's just a bunch of deacons who have a responsibility to do certain things in the church. Now, what was the problem? Well, let's see. Look at verses 11 and 12 of chapter 13. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore, that place is called Perezuzah, To this day, and David was afraid of God that day. Whoa. David was afraid of God, you betcha. David was afraid of God that day. You see, even David couldn't get away with disobeying the word of God. David learned a valuable lesson that day. The instruction God gave, God meant. You say you love God, all right, then obey him. You love God, do what he says. You know Christ is Savior, then you obey him. Jesus said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Jesus said, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Jesus said, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. See, if you love Him, you're going to obey Him. Even in 1 John chapter 5, He says, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Amen. He wants us to obey Him. Take Him at His word. The problem was here, no fear. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy. Is understanding. In Proverbs 15 and verse 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. As a matter of fact, I want you to notice David's statement. Go over to chapter 16 and notice beginning in verse 12. Remember his marvelous works that he had done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded, look at this, to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Yes, go down to verse 25, same chapter. He says, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Notice the rest of the verse, underline it. He also is to be feared above all gods. Wow. He believed God meant it. Is that a bad thing? I know the Bible says perfect love casteth out fear, but what is that talking about? It's not talking about a fear of the Lord, because we're commanded to fear the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. Is fear a bad thing in the church to fear the Lord? Well, let's see. Go over to the book of Acts, chapter 5. Acts, chapter 5. Now, in Acts, chapter 4, the latter part of it, you've got a bunch of people in the church who were going out selling their own stuff to bring money in to give to the church so it could be distributed to the people who were going through a real hard time. Ananias and Sapphira saw that taking place. They got excited about it. They decided they wanted to give something too. Notice beginning of verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira's wife sold the possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down. And gave up the ghost, and great fear, notice, great fear came on all them that heard these things. Right here, we have a New Testament example of God killing a church member. God killed a church member right after the offering. Man, I'll bet you that'd bring in a nice offering the next service, wouldn't it? It says, And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much? And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Now look at this. And great fear came upon all the church. Underline that. Great fear came upon all the church. And upon as many as heard these things. And the hands of the apostles, by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and of women. Now, isn't that interesting? When fear came upon the church, you would think that a lot of people would have said, oh, this is is a lot more serious than I intended for this to be, and left. And to be sure, there were a lot of people who evidently were simply moved by the emotion of so many people coming in that decided, I don't think I want to join this place. Great fear came upon them that believed, But what happened? The church grew. When fear came upon the people, and we're talking about a fear of God, not a fear of the pastor, a fear of God came upon the people, the church grew. One of the biggest complaints of people who are unchurched today is the sorry worldly lives of so many people who claim to be born again. We are a different people. Psalm 89 and verse 7 declares God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of his saints and to be had in reverence for all, of all them that are about him. So that fear brought obedience in chapter 15 and verses uh, 12 through 16 of 2 Chronicles. We read that passage, but let's just remind ourselves what it says in chapter 15 verse 12. He says, and said unto them, Ye are, I'll get to it. Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. Due order. Due order. Due order. God has a due order. God is a God of order. Things are to be done decently and in order in the New Testament church. Due order. So the priest and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. Now the reality is this. Back when they were first moving the ark... It was the responsibility of the priest to stand up and tell David, not that way. Had they done their job and told them, no, it's not to be taken out like that. Uzzah wouldn't have died. If they would have insisted on it being done right. Today, preachers and churches all over that insist on things being done right often get voted out on their ear. Well, we don't think that's so important. They don't do it like that down at so-and-so church. And they don't do it like that down at so-and-so church. And to them, it's not a big deal. What does it matter how you dress? What does it matter whether you even come dressed to church at all? What does it matter? What does it matter what we sing or the kind of music that we sing? It matters. And it's to be done decently and in order. So we see them in obedience. David admits our fault. Our fault. He calls the priest. He sanctifies the priest. They use the staves according to the word of God. It may have been 400 years before that God gave the instruction, but it's still good. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 8. And all the people answered together and said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Now that's an Exodus chapter 19. You get to chapter 24, and the Bible says "And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said all the words which the Lord has said will we do. In chapter 24 and verse 7, and he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. All right. Sounds good, doesn't it? It sound like fundamentalists, but you get to chapter 32. And Moses has spent 40 days up on the mount talking to the Lord. And the Bible says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not what has become of him. And then in verse 5, And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. That's Jehovah. I mean, he just cast all that metal, all that jewelry, the earrings and everything else into the fire. And as he'll tell Moses later on, out popped this calf. Called the calf Jehovah. They had all the right names for it. Listen, you can be talking about Jesus. That's a name that's above every name. But if you're talking about a different Jesus than the one of this book... That's not the Jesus of the book. It's got to be the right Jesus, the one who is creator of all, the one who is God of very gods, the eternal Father, the everlasting God. They did not obey what they said they would obey. In John 15, 10, Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Fear first, God means what he says, let's obey God. Then obedience and then joy follows. Chapter 15, look at verse 25. So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom, underline those two words, with joy. Joy. Hey, they've done it right. Now they can do it with joy. Because things were done according to the word and to the will of God. In John chapter 15 verses 10 and 11. Jesus said if you keep my commandments you shall abide in my love. Even as I have also kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. The inspired inerrant word. Of the living God. Wow. Wow. And he means it. He hasn't revised it. He's not changing it. I've got the complete word of God. What kind of joy do you want in your life? I know as a parent, my life's verse for my children has been, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. My desire has always been in raising my kids that they walk according to God's word. That's it. If they'll do that, whatever they become, if they'll do that, I will be a blessed man. That's been my goal. No greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. God's allowed me to be a pastor of a local assembly of believers. What a privilege and God's put me, I believe, in a great place. This has been, wow, what an experience, what a blessing all my life to just meet some of the best Christians I've ever seen anywhere. And I thank the Lord for you. And my responsibility in return is always to continually to point you back to the Word, to point your children back to the Word. God still means all of His Word. You know, everything about it is just as up-date and good today as what it was when I got saved 52 years ago. It's still good. For the young marriage in our church. Hey, this book has everything you need right here. You want to have a right kind of marriage? Right here. Everything's right here. You can still go to it. Get all the instruction you need. He said, but preacher, we got the internet today. So? I got the word of God. I'll take the word of God. But but preacher, there are a lot of people that that just don't think it's that important. I got the word of God. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. I'm going to take God's word on it. He hasn't failed me yet. He's still right about everything. Fear, to fear the Lord first of all. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear then obedience equals joy. Joy. This book right here has what you need. It doesn't make any difference if we're talking about A president that brings great inflation in, destroys the dollar. Fear of the God of heaven. Obedience to his word brings joy to the child of God. Keep it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. I pray, Heavenly Father, you deal with hearts today. Now, Lord, on Sunday night, I'm preaching basically to believers today. But if there are any here without Christ, any that's never truly been born again, may they understand, as Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You must come to the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins at Calvary, was buried and rose three days later from the dead. You come to Jesus, he'll save you, he'll give you eternal life. Now, Lord, I pray that you deal with any that are lost, that they come to Jesus tonight. For the same, may we be committed to the truth that your word is true. David couldn't get in away way with disobeying it. And all the shouting and all the dancing and all the singing, all the praise, couldn't make the wrong right. God dealt with it. Lord, may we get that kind of conviction concerning your word. Because we fear our God, we're going to walk in obedience to him, and then we'll see the joy that God wants us to have. Have your way, Lord, in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name I ask it.